a question or anything this morning? Anybody have a question? All right, last week we were kind of going through, um, uh, kind of talking about uh, the question that was, was asked is what, what, what happens to people that um, uh, are, are people able to be saved in the, um, in the tribulation period? Um, and um, basically the, what is the hope for those that are left behind? Obviously, we, we believe um, in, the, in the rapture that Jesus Christ is going to come and he's going to take the church out um, before the tribulation begins. And so what is, uh, what is the hope uh, for those left behind? And uh, as I mentioned, um, I would encourage you um, not to get doctrine from uh, books, not to get doctrine from movies <laughs> uh, and things like this because they are not always accurate. Um, a lot of times they uh, they have to put things in there to uh, to make the the movie sell better and and things like this and it's not always uh, biblically accurate um, and so we were looking a little bit about this um, last week and um, I don't really remember kind of where we stopped um, or, but uh, just kind of briefly kind of go over something here real quick with you and uh, and then if there's any other questions we'll we can address that but. Um, so we, the church is going to be raptured out. We believe the church is taken out um, as Christ comes in the clouds, and then the church meets him, and we are taken uh, to be with him. In fact, Jesus tells us that in John chapter 14, right? He says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, um, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. Okay? Um, so again, you have... Um, you have different views of, of when the church is taken out. Um, there's the view of pre-trib. It happens before the tribulation begins, which is what we believe. Um, there are those that believe that it happened in the middle of the tribulation, and then those that believe it happens at the end, or what is called post-trib, uh, at the end of the tribulation. And um, again, Jesus says there in John 14, he says he's going to, take us to be with him, right? He says, in my father's house are many mansions. So um, it's very difficult to see a, um, a post-tribulation rapture because um, those that believe in the post-tribulation rapture, that Jesus returns, we're taken, we're basically caught up with Jesus, basically to come right back down to the earth. So never do we go back to heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, there's no time for the judgment seat of Christ. There's no time for the marriage uh, supper of the Lamb and things like that. And so it's just very difficult to, to have that happen. Um, if you go to Second uh, Thessalonians, in Second Thessalonians, um, in chapter 2, um, look in verse number 3. He says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So that day is referring to the day of Christ, back up in verse number 2. 
He says, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So Paul is giving a lot of information here in these verses that span a lot of time. Okay? Um, because he's talking about the day of Christ, which is when Jesus Christ is going to come back to the earth, physically rule and reign here on the earth. Okay? But he says, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So that's referring to the Antichrist. He's going to be revealed, who opposeth and exalted himself above all that is called God. So it's kind of, it's, it's really kind of interesting. Basically what Paul is doing is he's working backwards, right? You see that? He's working backwards. So he's, ta- he's talking about the end of the tribulation where Christ is going to come down to the earth and he says, but before that can happen, this has to happen. And what, what does he say happen? Well, he goes from the end of the seven years to three and a half years. Did you see that? Notice what he says. So that he that, whoso, in verse number four, whoso, who opposeth and exalteth himself above that is called God or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So what happens? In the middle of the seven years, at the three-and-a-half-year mark, the Antichrist goes into the temple in Jerusalem and basically declares himself to be God, declares himself to be Christ. So he's starting at the end. He's saying the day of Christ is going to come. Jesus is going to come to this earth. He is going to rule and reign here on this earth. But before that happens, there is the falling away, and the Antichrist is going to At the three-and-a-half-year mark, he's going to declare himself to be God in the temple, right? Okay? Now, but he keeps going. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now ye know that which, um, now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. So now, now he's went from the seven-year mark to the three-and-a-half-year mark all the way to the beginning now. Do you see it? Do you see him doing that here? Okay. So what's he talking about now? He says in verse number six, and now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. So what's he saying? Now we're at the beginning of it because he hasn't been revealed yet. The Antichrist hasn't been revealed. Okay? So he's working backwards in this scenario because they were saying, hey, uh, the day of Christ is at hand. Jesus Christ is going to come and he's going to set up his kingdom, right? And that's what he says. Uh, verse number two, uh, chapter two, verse number one. Now we beseech, beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, by our gathering together to him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter, as from us is that the day of Christ is at hand. So there were some people telling the believers in Thessalonica that Jesus Christ was about to come back to the earth. And he says, oh, hold on a second. You know, don't, I, don't want you to be, I don't want you to be concerned about this because before Jesus Christ comes back to the earth physically, and sets up his kingdom on the earth for a thousand years, which again, that's what much of the Jews were looking for. They were looking for the physical kingdom, right? Even as Jesus is about ready to ascend up into heaven, what were the disciples asking about? The kingdom. When is the kingdom, right? And so he's saying, hold on, before the kingdom takes place, there's some things that have to take place in this tribulation period. Okay, before Jesus Christ comes to the earth to set up his kingdom, there's some things that take place. Three and a half years before that is going to be when the Antichrist is going to enter into the temple and declare himself to be God. You can actually, if you hold your place there in Second Thessalonians, 
Go back to the book of Rome, uh, Romans, <laughs> Revelation. In Revelation, and let me see here. Uh, let me see. Oh, here we go. Um, so in Revelation, um, so in chapter 12, you have this, um, this whole passage. It's uh, Israel, there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. So you have the woman is the picture of Israel. Um, and there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, seven crowns upon his head. Of course, that dragon is a picture of Satan, just as the woman is a picture of Israel. Okay, um, And uh, then it says, she brought forth a man-child. This is talking about the woman again. Uh, verse 5, and she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. This is, of course, Jesus. And the woman fled into the wilderness where... Uh, she hath a place prepared of God that uh, they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. Okay, so basically saying for a thousand three hundred and two score days, um, which if you figure that out, guess what that ends up being? It's three three and a half years. Okay, so watch what happens at three after three and a half years, and there was war in heaven. So there's something taking place in heaven, and there's something taking place on the earth at the same time at the middle of this three and a half years. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, who's Satan, and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Right? So what happens here? At the middle of that three and a half years, the Antichrist goes into the temple, declares himself to be God at that same time that Satan is trying to overthrow God in heaven during this time. Okay? Uh, And then, of course, God says, hey, you know, we're not having this anymore. And he casts Satan out of heaven. No longer is Satan able to be there. Um, if uh, In verse number 13, when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Right? So here is when... Um, and there's so much. Okay. So, all right. Hold your place here. Hold your place in Second Thessalonians. And then go back to Daniel chapter 9. All right? All right, so in Daniel chapter 9, we have Daniel's week of prophecy of the 70 weeks, okay? In verse number 25, he says, Know therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, we're in Daniel chapter 9, verse 25, uh, unto the Messiah the prince shall be seven weeks, threescore two weeks, and the street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. After threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself, and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city, 
and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be at the flood, and under the end the war desolations are determined. So you have two princes here. You have Messiah the prince in verse number 25, which, of course, that's Jesus Christ. And then in verse, in verse number 26, it says the people of the prince. Guess who the prince is in verse number 26? It's not, the, it's not Jesus Christ the Messiah. It's the Antichrist, right? In verse number 26, this is referring to the Antichrist, okay? And watch in verse number 27. And he, this prince from verse number 26, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. So here's the Antichrist, and what does he do? He brings in this peace treaty. He brings in this covenant for one week or seven years, okay? So here's this seven-year period that we're talking about, the 70th week of Daniel, okay? He brings in this peace treaty for, for seven years, but watch what it says, and in the midst of the week, what's half of seven? Three and a half, right? In the midst of that week, in the middle of that seven-year period, in the three-and-a-half-year mark, what do we see taking place in heaven in the middle of that three-and-a-half-year mark? There's war in heaven, and there's something going on the earth here, right? Uh, the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abomination, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So the Antichrist comes into the temple, and he desecrates the temple. He proclaims himself to be God during this time. This is when, again, again, think about it. this is happening at the three and a half year mark. So supposedly there's been peace, right? There's been peace with Israel, okay? Now, there's, it's interesting when you look at the Revelation, we don't have time to go through it all. But when you look at Revelation, those three and a half years, uh, there's still wars and there's still famine and there's still lots of death taking place. Right. Um, but this peace treaty is basically just with Israel. It's not that there is peace over the whole world and everything's just hunky dory and we're all back in paradise and everything's great for three and a half years. No, no, no. Right. He's, there's a peace treaty with Israel. Okay. So again, think, think about what he's saying here. Um, back up in verse number 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon. What are those next two words? What is it? Come on. Thy people. Well, who is, who is the angel speaking to here? He's speaking to Daniel. What people group was Daniel of? Jews, right? They were Jews. So he's, these 70 weeks have to do with the Jews, right? You've got, we have to understand that, okay? So 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. What do you think that is? Jerusalem. Thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring an everlasting righteousness and to seal the vision of prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Then he begins and talks about this, right? And so he says, the prince shall come, destroy the city, but then he's going to confirm this peace treaty for seven years with Israel. There's going to be a peace treaty with Israel, okay, for these seven years, but in the middle of that, then the Antichrist goes in, proclaims himself to be God at the same time that Satan in heaven is trying to overthrow God. Okay. Well, guess what happens? God kicks Satan out of heaven. We saw that back in Revelation, right? And the Jews reject the Antichrist as God. So what happens? Well, go back with me to Revelation. I told you to hold your place there. We're going to come back to it, right? So in Revelation, verse number 13... I'm sorry, chapter 12, verse number 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. 
So now, again, there's been peace with Israel for three and a half years, but now because Satan is cast out of heaven, he, he cannot defeat God, the Antichrist has been rejected by the Jews. The Jews say, no, you are not God. Now Satan and the Antichrist turn on Israel. And when the dragon, Satan, saw that he was cast under the earth, he persecuted the woman. Who's the woman that we saw back in verse number 1 and 2? That's Israel. That's Israel. And he persecuted the woman as brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. The earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood uh, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandment of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So here is when everything changes in the middle of the tribulation. Now you have the Antichrist, the devil, turning against Israel. There's no more peace treaty. They've broken the peace treaty. Um, And also at this time is when you have God's wrath being poured out upon the earth during this time. Okay, So there's there's a lot taking place here um, at the middle of this tribulation period. All right, So come back with me to 2 Thessalonians again. Remember, we're, we're working our way kind of backwards through this. We started at the day of Christ when Christ returned, sets up his kingdom on the earth. Three and a half years earlier, what happened? The Antichrist goes into the temple, tries to declare himself to be God. Satan tries to take over heaven from God. Okay. Um, So we're back in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says in verse number 6, And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. So, The Antichrist has not yet been revealed. Something is holding the revealing of the Antichrist back. Okay? What is is that? For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Right? God says Satan's plan is already in place. Satan is ready to go. He's ready to go. He's ready to go with his plan. There's only one problem. What's the problem? Rob? Well, yes, the Holy Spirit's still here, but what's the, what's, what's the problem that Satan has with his plan? Because, man, all right, so think about this. When did Paul write this? Paul wrote this almost 2,000 years ago, right? So Paul is saying 2,000 years ago, Satan has a plan in place, ready to go. Does Satan not have a plan in place, ready to go today? So what's the problem? What's Satan's problem? He has no idea what the timing is. Satan has no idea what the timing is. He has no idea when God is going to let him do anything. He has no clue. He's got it all. He's got it ready to go, but he can't do anything because God hasn't given him the go ahead yet. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? I mean, Satan can have all the plans worked out that he wants to have planned out, and he's just sitting there doing. Now, I know he's not doing that, but I'm just saying. He can't do anything because he has no idea what God's timetable is. Only God knows that. Only God knows when his timetable is. Paul says, look, he, again, Paul is writing this almost 2,000 years ago, and he says, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. He said, Satan's got a plan in place. 
2,000 years later, he still has a plan in place, but he can't put it into action because he has no idea what God's timetable is. He doesn't know. Rob? Well, he had it in place 2,000 years ago, ready to go. He has no idea the timing of God. He's just sitting there saying, whenever I can, I'm ready. I, I just don't know when I can, right? So what is it? He says, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his might. So he said, there's, there's something holding the Antichrist from being revealed. There's something holding the Antichrist from moving forward with his plans. It was kind of already mentioned here. And that is the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God is withholding his plans from moving forward. Satan's plans. And this is what he says. Notice again in verse number seven, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. That he is not referring to Jesus Christ. It's not Jesus Christ being taken out of the way. Jesus Christ is already sitting at the right hand of the Father, right? So who is this he? This he is referring to the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the one withholding the, the plan of Satan moving forward. And here's the thing we have to understand. Notice what it says. Only um, he who now letteth will let or allow until he be taken out of the way. And some people have this idea, well, then the Holy Spirit's going to be taken out and then Satan's going to have his way. No, it's not the Holy Spirit's taken out. Okay? It's simply that the Holy Spirit just steps aside and says, okay, now's your time. Go ahead. The Holy Spirit's still here. The Holy Spirit is still going to be active on the earth during this time. The difference is, again, remember, the, 70, the 70th week of Daniel is about what people group? The Jews. It's about the Jews. It's not about the church, right? This is why the church is not Israel and Israel is not the church. Okay? It's about the Jews. It has nothing to do with the church. It has to do with Israel. It has to do with Israel. And so the Holy Spirit of God, and this is where the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament worked just as much as the Holy Spirit does in the New Testament. The difference was in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit did not permanently indwell believers. In the New Testament, the Bible tells us very clearly that the Holy Spirit indwells every person that puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit didn't do that. The Holy Spirit did not indwell every believer. The Holy Spirit could come on someone and leave someone. You know, the Bible is very clear in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit cannot leave you. He cannot leave you. He is that seal, the Bible says, right? We're going to get to that when we, as we're studying through the book of Ephesians. But he is that seal, and the Bible says he is the seal until the day of redemption. He's the seal until the day of redemption, until Jesus Christ returns and takes us back to be with him, right? So when the church is taken out, okay, and the Holy Spirit steps aside and just says, okay, now is your time. That is when, what's he say here? That wicked will be revealed. That will be when the Antichrist is going to be revealed. Um, and then the Antichrist will start moving forward with his plans of bringing the peace treaty and, and all these different things. And, uh, and that seven years and everything begins to take place. Okay. But again, Paul's moving backwards here. He's starting 
at the end of the tribulation, at the beginning of the chapter, with the day of Christ, Jesus Christ coming to the earth, he's coming back to that three-and-a-half-year mark, okay, when the Antichrist is going to enter the temple, uh, declare himself to be God, and he's rejected, and then he moves to when the actual Antichrist is revealed. You say, who is the Antichrist? We have no idea. We have no idea, right? But, but here's, again, here's what's very interesting about this. If Satan has had his plan in place since Paul wrote this, you see what I'm saying? Satan has had his plan in place when Paul wrote this back to the church of Thessalonica. That means in every generation, Satan has had someone ready to step in to be the Antichrist. Since he wrote this, he said, look, he says, the mystery of iniquity doth already works. Satan is, Satan's ready to go. As soon as the go-ahead is given, Satan's ready to go. He's ready to go, right? Um, so then uh, we were talking about, um, what, how much time do we have left here? We've got a few minutes. Okay. Um, so we were talking, and, and then verse number eight, then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So again, at the end of the tribulation period, uh, Jesus Christ is going to uh, destroy the Antichrist, uh, the false prophet. Uh, he says in verse number nine, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness and then the perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So again, we were talking about this last week. Those that have heard the gospel message, they've heard the gospel, they've rejected it, they chose not to believe it, then God says that uh, they, they will receive that delusion in verse number 11. For this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So there are going to be those in the tribulation period that are getting saved but it's those that are getting saved who have never heard the gospel message. Okay, those that have heard. So, if if there was, uh, you know, we again we kind of talked about this last week. If there's somebody that's been in church all their life and they've heard the gospel, and they've heard the gospel, and they said, "Yeah, I know that's what I need to do," but I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to accept Christ as my Savior. Then, if the rapture were to take place and they enter the tribulation, they cannot be saved. There isn't like, oh, wow, everybody's gone. I guess I, may, I, guess I need to get saved now. No, it's too late. It's too late, right? This is what he says. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Those that receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. God says, I'm giving you time. God is a patient God. He's a long-suffering God, but he's also a God of justice. And God says, I'm giving you time, I'm giving you time, I'm giving you time. But if you keep rejecting and rejecting, there's going to come a time when God says, enough, done. Um, and when the church is raptured out and the believers are taken out, those that have heard the gospel and have rejected, God says, all right, done, over. Now, others can be saved who've not heard the gospel, but those who have heard it and rejected it, God says, your time is done. And then they will be, be the ones that have that strong delusion that they'll believe that lie. Yeah, Jeff? In the tribulation? Yeah, absolutely. What's going to happen to them? They go through the tribulation. 
I mean, there's, it's, you're talking about seven years, you know, um, some people say, well, what is the age of accountability? I have no idea what the age of accountability is. Nobody knows what the age of accountability is. It's not a specific age. It's an understanding. Um, so yeah, there will be children, uh, that are born in the tribulation and there will be children that die in the tribulation. Um, and just as today, we believe that if, if a child that does not understand that they're a sinner, um, that they need Christ as their Savior, if they don't understand that when they die, we believe that God shows a special grace to them because they didn't have that ability to, to make that choice. Okay? Um, and, and David speaks about that even in the Old Testament when his child died. Uh, he says, look, I, my, I can't bring my child back to me. But he said, I know one day I will go and be with my child. Um, so God... Uh, we believe that God, the scripture teaches that God shows a special grace to those that have not made that decision yet, that have not reached that age of understanding. Okay? Um, and so whether that's, you think about how many um, children have died here, whether through uh, medical things or abortions or anything like that, that if they've not had that opportunity to accept Christ, um, you know, they're, they're, in, we're they're with the Lord. God shows a special grace to them about that. But yeah, there will be children, there will be people being born, um, you know, in the tribulation period. Miss mm-hmm. Terry? Can they lose their salvation? Can anybody ever lose their salvation? There's your answer. <laughs> no. No, nobody has ever been able to lose their salvation. Old Testament, New Testament, you cannot lose your salvation, right? Tribulation doesn't change. Basically, so basically what happens, the tribulation, if I can kind of put it this way, the tribulation is a 7-year extension of the Old Testament. Because again, who is God dealing with in the tribulation? The Jews, right? That, again, that's why it's going to go back to God is dealing specifically with the Jews. It, it's basically a seven-year extension of the Old Testament time period, okay? Uh, that's why you're going to have the, the temple's going to come back. You're going to have the, sac- the temple sacrifices and things like this all happening again. Um, and God is dealing with Israel again. Not the church. He's used the church for 2,000 years to get the gospel out. Then he's going to take the church home. Again, remember, the church is the bride of Christ, right? The bride's going to be taken out, and, and then God comes back to deal with Israel again. Okay? Um, and that's why, again, the Holy Spirit now in the tribulation time is back to how it was in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit does not permanently indwell the believers in the Old Testament. Okay? There's not that permanent indwelling. Okay? They're saved, right? And there are those that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon, um, like you have the 144,000 witnesses, you have the two prophets, things like that. Um, but now the Holy Spirit just basically has, has stepped aside and let the Antichrist and Satan kind of run their plan for the next seven years or whatever. Um, but it doesn't matter if somebody gets saved in the tribulation. It doesn't matter if they get saved in the church age. It doesn't matter if they get saved in the Old Testament. When somebody gets saved... They can never lose their salvation. That's that's just it's not possible. Yeah. 
in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Was salvation the Old Testament by works or by faith? No. Salvation has never been by works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Salvation is not by works. Never has been. Not Old Testament, not New Testament, not tribulation. Never has been by works. Right? Salvation has always been by faith. Always has been. Now, in the Old Testament, their faith was to produce works, a set of works, just like in the New Testament, our faith is to produce a set of works, right? But salvation is not by works. Salvation is by faith, right? Yeah, and so, you know, and a lot of times people say, well, in the Old Testament, they had to follow the law to be saved. Okay, well, tell me who followed the law. Nobody did. Nobody could follow the law. Oh, they could try to, but they didn't. So that means nobody got saved? Nobody got saved? No. Many people got saved. It was not about the law. It was not about following the law for salvation. Again, the law was there to show that you could not follow it. The law was there to show that you needed a Savior to be saved. I mean, there were over 600 laws given to the Jews, right? If, if, if we can't even keep 10, right, the normal 10 commandments that people think about, if we can't even keep 10, how in the world do you think they could have kept 600? They couldn't, right? Again, the purpose of the law was not to show that you could keep it. The purpose of the law was to show that you can't keep the law. Because to please God or to, to be right with God, God demands perfection. Nobody can be perfect. That's the whole purpose of the law, to show that we are not perfect, right? That's why Jesus Christ comes, because Jesus Christ is perfect. He fulfills the law, right? And that's why he is able to save us from our sin, because he is the, he is the perfect Lamb of God, right? Ms. Don? Sure. Sure. What law was there? Well, you asked, did they follow the law? When was the law given? So the law of Moses, no. There was no law of Moses back then. Was there a law of God, though? Yes. There has always been a law of God. The law of God has always been. Right? How did Cain know that it was wrong to kill his brother? He didn't need the law of Moses. He had the law of God. The law of God states that you don't kill someone. Right? It's not the law of Moses, it's the law of God. Why is it that God can say in Genesis chapter 6 that every man 
and, and every, they did every evil thing and the imagination of their heart was always evil continually. Why was God able to say that? Because there's a law of God. If there is no law, then how can you break the law? You can't break a law if there is no law, right? So there has to be a law. It's not the law of Moses. The law of Moses doesn't come in until God gives it to Israel after he's delivered them. And that was a specific law for Israel. Again, that law was not for everybody. That law is for Israel alone. Now, are there some good principles like the Ten Commandments that we can follow? Sure. But that's not where they began, They began in Genesis with the law of God, right? That's why even the Bible says, even though we're not under the law of Moses, there is still the law of Christ. You say, oh, we're not under the law anymore. Well, you're not under the law of Moses. You mean we're still under the law? Yeah. It's called the law of Christ. And are there some of those principles that, that um, how, how do we say they, um, they overlap? Sure. Yeah, there are overlapping principles or laws, right? You don't kill. You don't steal. You don't do some of these things. But do all of the laws that God gave to Moses overlap? No, of course not. Do we have to only eat certain things? No. Do we have to dress and and wear only certain things? No. Do we have to, uh, you uh, you know, offer sacrifices? No. You see, those laws don't overlap because that was given specifically to Moses and Israel, not to everyone. Those were not given to the Gentiles. They were given to the Jews. But watch this, right? This is really interesting. Go with me to Romans. Oh, man. Our time is up. Let me just, let me give you one verse if I can find it here real quick, and then I'll, I'll let you stew on this for the week. Um, if I can find it really quick. Uh, yeah, so in chapter 2, uh, notice in verse number 25. For circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law, but if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision, that's the Gentiles, keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not the uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law? For if he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is he that is circumcised, which is outward in the flesh." But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is not of the heart and the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. That's a good one. That wasn't the one that I was looking for. Um, that kind of goes along with it. Um, uh, that talks about how the Gentiles kept the law, but they didn't have the law. Somebody know where that's at real quick?
No. Oh, here we go. Uh, nine. Uh, Romans, uh, Romans chapter 9, verse number 30. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is by faith. But Israel which followed after the law of righteousness hath not attained the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone, as written, Behold, I lay it uh, in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth in him should not be ashamed. Um, so again, he talks about how the Gentiles didn't have the law, but yet they kept the law. Where the Jews had the law, they didn't keep the law. But yet the Gentiles got salvation, the Jews didn't. It's it's a lot to think about here, but we're out of time. So think about it. We'll get back to it next week. You're dismissed. Oh, again, don't forget, if you can, make sure to try to...